Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Benjamin Solak. On a beautiful, yeah. slightly early recorded Fan Friday edition of Locked On NFL Draft. Ben, did you have enough time to look at these questions and still bring the energy today? Oh, uh, yes. Everything is delicious, as per usual. Uh, I'm, I, I was here in Phoenix, and the Suns won game one. So it was big. Oh, vibes. damn. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was a really good time. Everybody's cackling with energy shout out michael bridges uh uh six are great also shout out dario sarge six are great who tore his acl i'm very very sad i love dario and i wanted to see him uh be able to play in the finals more than just one game Big um, but yeah so the phoenix energy is amazing the weather like really like i think i've gotten used to it uh i'm having a great time oh man you say you think you've gotten used to it and that's gonna bite you in the butt tomorrow. I don't know how, but I'm yep. just I'm, I'm assuming that because you said that, it's gonna be now a high of 117 tomorrow. Uh, I think it's a high of 110, 112 today. So that's very likely. I don't know how you're not melting, knowing that you just never go south. Anyways, you're just spend a, completely... a lot of time inside, drink a lot of water, and accept the fact that you're just gonna be sticky and gross. Uh, yeah, Once I'm... I accepted that I was gonna be sticky and gross, it w- it became more comfortable. Life is about how you approach things, right? It's all about mindset. 110 <laughs> degrees? Nah, we're good. It's good. We're, we're good to go. Gross. I'm, pr- I'm proud of you for instilling that kind of uh, view on the world to everyone to start this podcast. All right. I'm, we got- I'm fascinated if we – this is the first time we've ever recorded Fan Friday, like, early, I feel like. Because always we're just like, we just want to do it as late as possible just in case. Yeah, and I always if like this to- is the if this is the first week where like something happens on Thursday, I will be stunned. <laughs> I that would be amazing. Yeah, I th- I think I'm with you. I don't think we've ever done Fan Friday on Wednesday. I like recorded it at least on a Wednesday before. I don't think we've ever done. The we've done is like middle of the day Thursday. Right. This is huge for us. All right. Uncharted waters. Here we go. You ready to navigate them? Yes. Adonis. Fantastic name, Adonis. Ask his first question. Power rank. He said, or snake draft, but I'm just going to power rank. The Same. top five donut types. Okay, so it is a little bit tricky, right? Because, like, different donuts do different things. So I, I, I cheated a little bit, but it's fine. Five is wow, like... Wow, cheating any, to start out the podcast? Shut up. Five is, like, maple-flavored. I mean, it's a big thing in Michigan to do, like, maple-flavored donuts with, like, apple cider at Cider Mills. Yeah, yeah, maple yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, four is Boston cream. I like Boston cream. I think it's a little bit gassed. Uh, it also is like tough to eat depending on how, how cream filled it is. And so that factors in. Three is just like the cheating category. It's just like dessert, like chocolate cake with chocolate icing and sprinkles and strawberry and everything. Like I love sweet food. I love sweets. I love all of those. It's not worth like ranking them individually because like I'll just show up and be like, you know what? I'm feeling red velvet today. So like I kind of folded dessert into so one ju- thing so just like the 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 odd donut creations the one, yes the one where like you're you're you can't even a little bit pretend it's breakfast you're like all right no, this, is, this, is like, this is absolutely i'm i'm, I'm eating this okay i'm i'm being a little sugar boy today all right uh, 
Two is jelly filled. I prefer jelly filled to cream filled. I think jelly filled get a bad rap, especially when they get that powdered sugar on top. That's really good. Number one, it's a traditional glaze because uh, you you can be comfortable that it's good everywhere, most mm -hmm. places. Uh, and when you get a really good one, really good honey glazed donut, man, like that, and, and a nice cup of coffee, that slaps. So those are my donuts. A couple of mine are a little bit outside the box. Five, I have just like you. You live with the the donut queen. I so I, I'm not I do. You, yeah, you have yeah. a diverse donut palette. This is true. Alyssa is one thousand percent the donut queen, and so her expertise would be a lot better than mine on this question. But I'll try to take some of the life lessons that she's instilled upon me in the donut world into this top five here. Number five for me would just be like chocolate frosted. It's it, it's just a classic donut. I think that it's, it, you know, it, it's clean. You don't feel too messy eating it. It still tastes really good. You get the chocolate in there. So I, I, I that's why it's number five to me. Number four are those, I, I don't know, are they potato donuts? Whatever you get from like, what? from whatever you get from like Chinese restaurants, you know how you can order like the donuts that are like the appetizers that obviously you eat after the meal? What? You don't know what I'm talking about? No, I'm looking it up. Chinese buffet-style donuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're like, like if those are technically potato donuts or what, but they slap. Everybody yeah, out I've there who's had, had them before, before knows exactly what I'm talking about. This is interesting. Those are they fantastic. Look like, they look like beignets a little bit. Yes, kind of. They look like them. Taste, yeah. They don't really taste like beignets, but they okay. look a little bit like beignets. But they're, those are number four for me. Number three is like a maple frosted, like maple bacon kind of a donut. That's such You're an elite man. flavor uh, to go to with number three. Number two, you, you got to tell me if this counts because I love these and I threw them on the list. If they don't count, okay, so be it. But like fritters, because I feel like often you go to a donut shop and they just often also have fritters next to them. And I love fritters. So I just threw them on this list. What's the ruling here? I feel like it, it, it is a donut. You know what I mean? Like fritters can look not donutty, but you can also make them look donutty. And I'm pretty sure it's it's like you you definitely cook them differently. I think it's 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 like they're deep fried. I can't remember what the difference is. I'm gonna let it fly though, because I absolutely think of a fritter as a cousin of a donut. Great, wonderful. Okay, and then number one, the classic. We have the same number one. It is a well done, nice and warm, fresh glazed donut. Yes, sir. Nothing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Better. Everybody knows Krispy Kreme is like the 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 titan of glazed donuts, and I love Krispy Kreme donuts. If your local donut shop does a glazed donut better, okay, insert them here. But whatever it is, you get those fresh. There is nothing better. So yeah, did you did your high school have like the Krispy Kreme donut sale things for fundraising purposes? Um, yes. I mean, like, I, I vaguely remember this now that you say it. I don't know if it was right. Krispy Kreme or I don't know if it was four, but it, you do so many of those, like, drives and, and charity things yep. in high school. I don't know. I, I'm sure there was a donut Krispy Kreme one in there. I just remember the feeling of pure elation when I would walk into school some Tuesday, 6.45 a.m., bleary-eyed, <laughs> wanting to die, and all of a sudden the entire field hockey team is walking around with Krispy Kreme boxes, and I was like, it's going to be a good week, baby. We're going to do it. See, we used to have that, but it wasn't for, like, fundraisers. Like, I'm pretty sure there was a there was a teacher, I think this is when I was in middle school, who would bring a like two boxes of donuts, like two dozen boxes of donuts, into school and it was basically just first come first serve and you didn't know when he was going to do it 
No, there was no rhyme or reason. It was just some days he would show up with two boxes That's of donuts. That's diabolical. That's I would live in constant fear and trepidation and excitement. I yeah, I mean, and you would also like I said, like it was first come first serve, and so he's only got twenty four donuts for the whole school. You better get there early. You know, there's a lot of and there was a lot on the line. It got bloody sometimes. There were fights straight in his room. He'd set up that, the octagon. He put the desk down. That's some serious nonsense. Baseball bats and barbed wire involved. And I'm sitting in the corner like, it's just a donut, people. Just kidding. I'd get in on it. All right, Joe asked this next question. Putting your draft evaluation aside, rank the nine quarterbacks drafted in the first round of 2020 and 2021 based on the system, situation, coaching staff, surrounding talent. You were both really high on Justin Fields and low on Jordan Love, but their chances to maximize their talent and potential are very different in those situations. And so I think that you and I are, at least from the outsider's perspective, I feel like we're going to have different lists because you and I probably will interpret this question a little bit differently, have a little bit more emphasis in the different categories that Joe named. So I'm very interested to hear what your top nine is. Do you want to go from... Bottom to top, you just go nine to one. Yeah, I, I'd love to. Uh, I will say, I think I think Joe is maybe our best question giver on a week to week basis, man. I'm like, I, I don't want to say that with my chest because like maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but like Joe's question has been slapped. Joe does bring it. Joe does bring yeah. it weekly. Yes. Excellent question. From nine to one, uh, ranking off situation, I'll explain a little bit as I go. Um, yeah, I did have Fields at nine. Bears off the line isn't that good. Bears receiver core isn't that good. Bears offense obviously has has struggled, and so not a great spot to land. Uh, eight, I have Tua. Uh, offensive line is improving wide receiver room is improving uh, but there's lack of proven stuff there and then the offensive coordinator situation is like co-OCs were both coaches last year and like it could be good but I just have very little information about that and so it's tough to uh, tough to really love to a spot seven is Burrow uh, love what they've done from a wide receiver perspective don't love the Zach Taylor offense really worried about the offensive line especially coming off of a major injury so I wanted to get Burrow higher but that was as high as I really felt I could six was Zach Wilson uh Jets fans may think this is a little low but the thing is like everything is definitely getting better it's just a question of how better offensive line's improving cool wide receiver room is improving cool offensive coordinator situation is definitely improving off of off of Gase sick that's awesome how good are all three of those things I don't really know so the arrow is pointing up but like it could be the 20th best situation in the league or the 16th best instead of like, you know, a, a top 10. So I think six is fair for Wilson. Uh, five, I have Trevor Lawrence. Like the receiver room. Love the offensive line. Worried about the offensive design. Uh, Daryl Bevel, Brian Schottenheimer have done good things in their respective places. Now they're under a college head coach. How NFL-y will it be? How college will it be? It, their stuff doesn't really jive with urban stuff, so it's going to be the balance there. I have some concerns. Four is Jordan Love, as Joe alluded to. Jordan Love's in a, in a pretty good situation from an X's and O's perspective, from a talent perspective. I do think that the situation has to consider the current environment, which is that, like, if Love, Love, Green Bay is a hostile place right now. Uh, and, like, sure, Love's getting, like, reps because Aaron Rodgers isn't there, but Love's mentals and, like, his, like, locker room experience has got to be tough because of what's going on with Aaron Rodgers right now. So I think that does factor into it. And I think the expectations that will be on his shoulders are worth noting and do hurt his situation a little bit. Three is Justin Herbert. Love the offensive line. Love the receiving core. Think Joe Lombardi is going to be a good coordinator. Has been uh, in New Orleans. It's just this is kind of his his only second time outside of the Sean Payton umbrella. The first time wasn't super great, so it is a little a little bit of a question mark there. Number two is Mac Jones. Josh McDaniels has proven offensive line is great. 
They just added a bunch to the wide receiver core, so that's your question mark there. Um, but then number one is Trey Lance, where the receiving core is great. The running game is excellent. The offensive line is tremendous, and Kyle Shanahan is a great uh, offensive guy. The only question is Shanahan hasn't really gotten a chance to develop a young quarterback. He's worked well with veteran quarterbacks, and obviously RG3 that first year looked great, but then injury kind of took that away. So what is he as a developer? We're not too sure, but there's reason to believe he should be good. Man, you know, I I said that I wasn't sure how similar we'd be, and we were pretty similar. There are, I think, three instances where we're a little bit different. Nine, I have Justin Fields, and you're right. I don't think the offensive line is great. I think the the passing weapons are okay right now, but that could drop off heavily after this year. And there's no reason to believe that Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, that regime is going to be there for the long haul. I think they had a good draft, you know, and that was, that was something that they very much needed, but there's a lot of uncertainty for what Justin Fields situation there is in in Chicago. Number eight, I had Joe Burrow. I I have two at number seven. And so I've got Burrow there mainly again, I'm throwing in the coaching situation. I don't really love Zach Taylor. I don't think he's done anything to say, Oh yeah, we've got the guy here in Cincinnati. He might be going through a coaching change. And I think the offensive line is still bad. Yeah, you really like the weapons that he has around him, both with the receivers and his, in the running back room. But anytime you change head coaches, you just you don't know what the future is going to hold. And I'm not so sure that Zach Taylor is going to be there much longer. So I don't love that situation for him. Tua, love Brian Flores, love the defense. I think the wide receiver room is getting a lot better. They don't have that bell cow running back. Okay, that's fine. The offensive line is still all coming together, but it's still, I think, going in the right direction. I, I actually really like Tua's situation. I was surprised I was as low on his, but it just kind of comes down to he's got to be able to do it. There's a lot of things to believe in with the offense, but it hasn't come to fruition quite yet. Trevor Lawrence is number six. Uncertainty with that new head coach there with, with Urban Meyer. There's a lot to get excited about. There's some playmakers that you love with Robinson, with Travis Etienne, with LaVisca Chenault, with DJ Chark. Um, Marvin Jones is in there as well. The offensive line is good, but again, just a lot of unknown there. Zach Wilson, I think he's got a good spot, but it's not really proven. He was number five yeah. for me. Jordan Wilson, Lo- I like wanted to get higher. It's just like there's just too much unknown. I did too. It's it's just brand new, and so you just yeah, it, it's it's still an ever evolving offensive line. It's a lot of new pieces that I got got to come together, and so I'm very encouraged by what the Jets are doing. But for right now, he's got to sit at number five, number four. I have Jordan Love as well. The situation is already entrenched. If he sits in there, he's got. I think a really good offensive line in front of him. He's got a good running back. He obviously has one of the best wide receivers in the game at Devontae Adams. It's a good situation for him and a fantastic head coach as well. Mac Jones, number three. You got Bill Belichick. You got a great offensive line. You got a willingness to run the ball. You've got uh, Damian Harris behind you. You got two good tight ends. I, I just, we're still, <laughs> who knows, at wide receiver at this point. Uh-huh. And so I think that that's what holds him back a little bit. I've got Herbert at two. I love where the Chargers are going. Um, you know, I talked about, okay, there's a little bit of uncertainty and I don't want to be too unfair here because we have Brandon Staley, who is a first time head coach going to the Los Angeles Chargers. But man, that receiver room for as good as Brandon Staley was at his job last year with the Los Angeles Rams, he has been an offensive mind as well. So it's not just like he's a defensive mind coming in. He's going to have his hands on both sides of the ball that they made a commitment to making that offensive line a lot better and a lot better immediately. They've got Austin Eckler. I just love the direction they're going. And Trey Lance is number one. You've got Kyle Shanahan. You've got that defense, that offensive line, uh, that offense around him. And so he's clearly in the number one situation. So I think the only places we were different is we flipped to and Burrow, we flipped Wilson and Lawrence, and we flipped Herbert and Mack. That was it? Yeah, and and Wilson and, and, and Lawrence, I, I'm like that was a tough one for me. Herbert and Mack is a tough one for me. I do think the the 
the Burrow receiving core is just so good that I like that spot. That's I fair. felt, yeah, I felt I was low for Burrow at seven. Um, but with that said, like for as good as the receiving core is, is there a worse situation than that Bengals offensive line with Yikes. Burrow's injury? Maybe not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the head coach. Not great. Really, really good question. Fun yeah, that was great, about. Joe. Brandon asked this next one. Discovered the pod late, but I'm loving the content. Big shout out, Brandon. Hey, for what up, pod. Brandon? First time asking this question for me. All of the top wide receiver duos in the NFL, which which two will have the most combined receiving yards this upcoming season? I'm picking CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper to have 2,500 receiving yards combined. That was Brandon and Brandon's answer there. Yeah, so uh, an interesting question uh, for anybody who's wondering. Last year's top receiving duo, which he says receiving duo, right? Yeah, just so, like was, the two. Yeah, was Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Uh, Kelsey, obviously, not a receiver, but was second in the league in receiving yards because of, of, of how the Chiefs use him. Uh, 1,416 yards, Tyreek Hill 1,276 yards. So they combined for over 2,700 yards. Unbelievable. Uh I think that they're a pretty good bet to do it again. Yeah. Uh, the the Chiefs didn't add any real significant uh, uh, additional pass catchers. You had Sammy Watkins, who obviously wasn't really available last year, uh, depart. I don't know if Meikle is that guy for them. So uh, I think probably that that's that's your best bet. The team that does interest me, the duo, excuse me, that does interest me as challenging is the A.J. Brown-Julio Jones duo, just because mm-hmm. there's so few alternative targets in Tennessee. Uh, I think they're going to be playing from behind a lot, so they're going to throw the ball a lot. It does also a little bit come down to availability. Uh, Brown's got to play 16 games. Julio's got to play 16 games. And that's something Kelsey and, and Hill have been able to do that Julio and, and AJ have struggled with a little bit. Uh, some other ones that I had on my list when I was looking things up, and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't I didn't notice that. DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson uh, both had over 1,000 yards thousand. last yeah. year. Uh, now maybe they get a better quarterback in Sam Darnold. Carolina certainly hopes. Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, they're going to be right there, no doubt about it. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, I think, are a sleeper to have an uptick in the yards that they got. Both of those guys had over 900 yards. Cooper Cup had 974. Robert Woods had 936. I think they're going to take a leap in quarterback play coming up here. And and with Sean McVay certainly dialing things up for them, I think that they both have the chance to get over 1,000 yards. And if you're looking at 1,100 between both those guys, they're going to be well within the conversation to lead the league. I think that it's probably going to yeah. be half to, it's going to be half to be something closer to that. 2500 number but I think those guys are going to be close I'd be remiss if I did not also mention uh, Chris Chris Godwin and Mike Evans these are two of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL that are on the same team it's an offense that I think is going to be clicking a lot but I think playing from behind like you said does go into things quite a bit unless you're really just absolutely pedal the metal at all times uh I think that that's got to be in consideration Julio Jones and AJ Brown that's a big one too so those are the ones that uh... I want to bring to the table if you had to take in fantasy right now, who, or not, uh, Chris Godwin or Keenan Allen, who would you take? No, Chris Godwin or Julio, who would you take? Uh, why would I tell you? You and I are in a fantasy league, and the draft starts uh, this Friday. Yeah, well, because I'm, I'm uh, in the Scott Fishbowl, I, I had to choose, and I picked uh, okay. Julio, and I felt really bad about it because I love Chris Okay, it, it was who? Who was it between? Julio and Chris Godwin. Uh, oh, man. I think think it's gonna be chris godwin oh man okay if chris is really good i'm gonna feel bad i think chris is gonna be good but i do think that there's some merit within this conversation to say hey chris had his monster year when Jameis was the quarterback 
when they had to absolutely chuck the ball everywhere down the field. And Godwin was very reliable. Now, just like I, I don't know if they're going to be in that same world because I think Tampa's defense is going to be a lot more in control and a lot better than Tampa's defense was certainly two years ago when Jameis had to play behind from a lot, when he led the league in passing yards with over 5,000 yards, right? I, I don't know if Brady's going to get to that ability. And so uh, I think it's close. I guess I could say Godwin, but you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be, and nobody out there would be kicking themselves for picking Julio Jones because he's one of the best receivers in the game still. So I think it's close, but it all just depends, I think, really how good Tampa's defense is. If they're really dominant, Tom Brady and and that whole offense are just going to milk it, and and I don't think that they're going to take unnecessary risks all season. They're going to pump up stats, but maybe Julio gets a lot more yards because of that reason. So I think it's uh, situational a little bit in that question. Sam asked this next one. He said, here in Spokane, Washington, we have a massive three-on-three basketball tournament called Hoop Fest each fall where people come from across the country to compete. Draft two three-man basketball teams. I guess he's saying between the two of us, you and I snake draft, uh, of active NFL head coaches to compete against each other to try to determine who would win. I love how it's always like, all right, make sure you snake draft, but it's like 3v3, where a snake draft, like, does not really impact the draft whatsoever. Right. I just I just like that we do it just on I I think I think people, uh, you want, pe- people just really love when we draft against each other, no matter what it is. Right. And this is gotta be snake drafts, gotta be fair. Uh you want first or second? I'll go second. Okay. Uh in the spirit of the video recently posted of him throwing a Oh man, this would have been my uh, first pick too. Across the across the uh the street and then celebrating and also looking like like a real, you know, wish I was still in my late 20s, four-year-old guy. Uh, shout out Kyle Shanahan, my first overall pick. All right, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Brian Flores mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Dan Campbell. I dare you to bring him to the paint, Ben. I yeah, dare yeah, yeah. you to even step one foot in the paint. Dan Campbell's a really good pick. Uh, Campbell was going to be my... Uh, you know, low man in the post, as it were, as it will I'll take my backup, which is Mike Brable. Okay, uh, I had him on the uh, list as well. If if anybody is going to be willing to meet Dan Campbell in the post, <laughs> uh, I'm hoping that uh, 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 Mike Brable will be willing to do it. Right. Uh, who do I want as my number third? Um, okay, I feel like I need just like who's just who's got like sharpshooter vibes. Wait, I'm gonna Google. Hopefully, I get. Do you think coaches have their heights listed? Uh, I don't know how much height really needs to go into it, but. Well, I don't know. I want size. I feel like Robert Sala is pretty tall, right? Pretty physical. I feel like Sala could be a stretch three for me. He's on my board. All right, I'll take Robert Sala. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. I feel like he and Cal Shanahan, good chemistry from the San Francisco days. A little two-man game, a little pick and roll. It's going to be all right. I'm going to go with Matt Nagy for my uh, my final pick in my point guard position because I feel like he's got some, uh, I feel like he's got some offensive uh, innovation here and Matt I, Nagy, I, i'll be honest does have like a i have a weirdly good 14 foot jumper vibe oh yeah like, right when you said that i was like oh that actually kind of makes sense yeah no so okay so my team was brian flores uh dan campbell and matt Nagy. you had kyle shanahan robert mike Vrabel, and, and robert Sala. you know what's funny uh, so, what's that those were the those were the only six that i had on my board oh really yeah i had a couple other guys on my board um, if I didn't get like Shanahan, I was going to go for like McVay or another, like, you know, like point guardy sort of type, like run the like offense McVay or whatever. Is super short though. What's he is. He's also, he's, he's V stocky, but also I feel like he has like 
short guy syndrome where he'd be like really high effort and like you know it's McVay like he'd try super hard and you know be be super oriented on like you know uh, you know working the low to my advantage you know dribble drive and then whatever um I also had um uh John Gruden on my list I feel like John Gruden would be hilarious I feel like he'd rock the uh the whole like you know sweatshirt with with uh short shorts white ankle socks knee balances can bank absolutely everything old white guy vibes i feel like john green's got that game a little bit all right so matt Nagy's six two brian flores is six two and dan campbell six five i've got the height baby uh i couldn't find i've got robert this in the so bag. i couldn't i couldn't find robert sales height but shanahan six two and rabel six five Oh, okay. All right. So we're evenly matched. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then Robert Saylor, I feel like, is tall, but maybe that's just my vibe. Where's a picture of him next to Kyle Shanahan? Ooh, yeah. Here we go. Oh, this is, we ad- this is, ad- this is advanced. This is advanced okay. scouting, baby. He's definitely at least as tall as Shanahan. So I would say he's like 6'2", 6'3". Okay. So we have the same We have the same. Yeah, yeah. We're good. Right. We're good. Yeah, I don't know who good. would win. I really don't. I would say, well, yeah, I, you know, I would. Absolutely no way of determining if these guys are actually good or not. I, I would humbly say me, but you know, that's your podcast, obviously. Yeah, so. just, I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be humble out here. You know, bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. You can get all of the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, which include baseball, hockey, of course. NFL, football, you've got UFC and MMA stuff as well that you can bet on. You don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. That's all caps, one word, Locked On. You can get a 50% welcome bonus over at Bet Online, your online sports book experts. More Fan Friday Madness coming up after the break. Okay, Jake asked this next one, and I gotta say, it's a heater. Are you ready? You've gotta you've gotta be willing to follow me here. Yes, please take me on this journey. All right, Jake said you were exploring an underground tunnel, as one does, and your lamp suddenly goes out. You fumble around your uh, your backpack for the emergency flashlight, and you hear a loud scuttling behind you. You grab the flashlight, flip the switch, and see a horse sized centipede. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The tunnel only runs east to west. The monkey, we're going to get to the monkey later, and the centipede are blocking the east where you came from. However, you know that there is a pit 300 yards away from you in the westward direction that will fall into a deeper part of the tunnel. But you don't know how far the drop is, and you don't know where it goes after that. The items in your backpack include three granola bars, a half-eaten banana, two water bottles, clothes, a fingerless gloves, and a grappling hook. On top of the centipede is a monkey holding a sword, wearing an ancient Roman helmet. He points at at the sword and says, you're on my turf now. What is your next move? I'm sorry. I just, firstly, tremendous question. Thank you. Uh, Secondly, when you just said, we'll get to the monkey later, I just lost my mind thinking of a a promo for Locked On NFL Draft. Join Trevor and Benjamin on Locked On NFL Drafts, where we'll get to the monkey later. Like that's just, <laughs> that would actually be a great promo. Because it's, it's, it's like, this is, it, oh, Locked On NFL Drafts, a podcast about the, the draft and about the NFL, college football, where we'll, we, we just get to the monkey later. We'll get to it later. Don't worry about it. That's just the general vibe of the uh, of the show. Okay. Answer is actually very easy. Uh, I appreciate the effort put in to make a difficult situation but easy solution mm-hmm. centipedes are extremely sensitive to light so they're little cave creatures yeah. uh little, little cave dwellers. 
now that he's got big old eyes because he's horse-sized, I got my flashlight, blind the centipede, centipede freaks out. Uh, you know, it's it's like, it's uh, you, you scare the horse, right? You scare the centipede. Centipede freaks out. Uh, now you've got room to go eastward to try to get out of the cavern. Now, obviously, Monkey is only going to be discombobulated for a little bit. Uh, you know, he's got he's going to gather himself after the centipede's discombobulation. He's going to have to dismount, and he's going to have to pursue you. Monkey's probably faster than you are. Half-eaten banana feels like a good distraction just to buy yourself enough time to get out into open space. Then once you're in open space, I think, you know, uh, as best you can, you'll be able to go 1v1 with a monkey wielding a sword. But you kind of always lose the monkey conversation. Monkeys are are, are, are dangerous creatures. Mm-hmm. But I would rather deal with him in open space and not in the indeterminately deep pit. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I was... I- I did not know the fact that uh, centipedes are sensitive to light. I did not you know. You definitely that. can't go west. Not no, 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 no. You, you, you can't go west. I mean, Jake threw in the fact that you've got fingerless gloves and a grappling hook. Like that's going to do a damn thing. I mean, like I, I, you know, I can't, I can't guarantee any kind of survival off of that kind of tools. You know, you don't really. You, you like you said, you don't even know how far the drop is. If the centipede and the monkey are right behind you, if you're going westward and you get to to the edge of the uh, of the pit. What are you going to – is the centipede just going to you know, t- take a second and be like, oh, all right, it's fair. I'll let you hook up the, the grappling hook and, you know, uh, rappel down the, the, the pit. No, you can't do that. Plus, you don't even know what's at the bottom of the pit. The centipede and the monkey could very well be the easiest way out. You don't even, you don't even know that. So I'm with you. You can't go west at all. You've instead got to use whatever you have to your advantage, which are clothes, don't really help, two water bottles, a half-eaten banana, and three granola bars. God, how, how long do you think you were going to survive on this journey? Also, why aren't you eating the full granola bar? You could have one no, no, full we got, granola No, no, we, we got three full granola bars, but it's a half-eaten banana. That's on me. That's on me. You know, and I'm going to I'm going to come back tomorrow and I'm going to be better. Yeah, okay. So, I think that what we're going to do is I agree. That's a great strategy. You blind the centipede, you move around him, and then as the monkey is coming at you as as he, you know, gets to his senses and he starts sprinting after you, you Mario Kart that bad boy by eating the rest of the half of the banana and then throwing the banana peel on ooh, the ground. Ooh, I like it. And then I didn't out. think about Mario Kart in it. There you go. You always got to look if there's one thing life has taught me in <laughs> the 30 years 20... that I've been here, it's that you've always got to be willing to Mario Kart it. Lost an NFL draft where you have to be willing to Mario Kart it. Steven asks his next question. Ben mentioned Brady's career since 34 is a Hall of Fame player in the Mock Draft Monday podcast. Got me wondering, how many times can you break up Brady's career and each sequential section be a Hall of Fame career? It, it sounds like a cool question. The tricky thing is like a big part of a Hall of Fame career is longevity. And so you can only – I'm not sure. Like I, I really tried to break it up into three pieces, right? So it's worth remembering. It's 21 total seasons. Seven seasons isn't enough. Like if you're elite for seven seasons, I don't think you made the Hall of Fame, right? I mean it's a little bit like the Calvin Johnson conversation. It's a little bit different though because like – we wouldn't know how these seven years ended with Brady, whereas we know how they ended with Calvin. Mm-hmm. But I think you can only break it in, in half. I think you can only do two pieces because I just like even for a seven game, a seven season stretch where like he makes a Pro Bowl every single year, like he makes the All Pro team twice in seven years. I don't think it's enough. So to I me, think, it's, I think the biggest the question here, the biggest question here, I think is. Like, do you do the three rings at the beginning of his career in 01, 03, and 04 mean enough to you to where, like, if you cut his career at, 
Oh, what did he do at age 30? Okay, so let's say... Yeah, all right. Basically, okay. if you, you could cut it into three parts if you wanted because you can go from 2000 to 07, which would, inc- which would include the three rings that he won in four years, 01, 03, and 04. That would include four Pro Bowl seasons, an All-Pro season, and the year that he went 16-0 and through for 4,000 yards, for 4,800 yards and 50 touchdowns and eight, and eight interceptions. That, you might actually be able to argue, is a Hall of Fame section. The end section where he's winning basically a Super Bowl every other year, when did this start? 14, 16, 18, and 20. He has won a Super Bowl in each of those years from 14. But the biggest question is, does 2008 to 2014 count as a Hall of Fame career? He makes the Pro Bowl every single season, never has less than double-digit wins, wins a division title every single year. Maybe it does. And maybe if you get smart and you do like 01 to 05, and you or 01 to 04, excuse me, you just say, listen, in these five seasons, he won the Super Bowl three times. 60% 60% Super Bowl win rate in this career. Can you keep that out of the hall? He <laughs> won the Super Bowl more often than not if that was his career. And so then you get to go and include 05 all the way to like 13, 14, and you get even more consistent. Like it, he misses one season with injury. Other than that, always double-digit wins, always winning the division. Yeah. And then you do the back half of the career where you get another three Super Bowl wins – including one not with the Patriots. That might be how you do it because you're able to get extreme Super Bowl density in pretty short careers. And then in the middle section, you get the longevity and the consistency. That might be the way to do it because you cannot take a guy who played five years and one, not made one, three Super Bowls and say, he's not a Hall of Famer because he didn't play long enough. That's done. You can't. Normally, that's impossible. Normally, I think you're crazy for that, but it is funny because between 01 and 05, in 2003 and 2004, he had records of 14 and 2 and 14 and 2. And then obviously, he's 3 and 0 in each of those postseasons. Bananas. <laughs> His the scale of his career is absurd, dude. Like it's one thing to be like greatest quarterback of all time, but to understand the fact that like in his fourth year as a pro, right in 03, it's just all right. He's fourteen and two. He's like even like his third year, he's like leading the league in touchdowns. He's you know he's he's thrown for seven yards a pop. He's leading his team to the Super Bowl and he's not losing any games. And then fast forward seventeen years. And the game has completely changed. And he's completing 66% of his passes, throwing for eight yards a pop, won 11 games, and then still went undefeated in the playoffs on the Super Bowl. It's just bananas good. I, dude, I don't even I – think, I think you might be able – I think you might be able to get it in three, and you can even take the beginning of his career all the way to the 2007 year. Because if you if you take 2000 to 2007, you've like mm-hmm. I said, you've got the three rings, you've got the incredible postseason run, and then you have the 16 and 0 season, the 50 touchdowns, the 4800 passing yards. That right there is like Hall of Fame worthy from 2000 to 2007. If you go to 2008, just between that and what did we say the cutoff would be? 2014. Yeah, I think you said 14. 
I don't I don't know if that's enough years, but he wins he wins an MVP. He wins an offensive player of the year. He wins a comeback player of the year. He's got he's got an all, a first team all pro bid and twice he would have led the NFL in passing touchdowns. I don't Excuse think I it, it, it's still the the seven year run worries me just because like I feel like people want duration in halting careers they want longevity but um, at the same time like that win a crap ton of rings yeah but at the same time though that is like survivorship bias like if you're good enough to be a hall of fame player you're obviously going to play for longer because you're so good All right so we don't really have a framework for this guy had a five year career and is he a hall of famer but if in this exercise if that sort of thing exists then like yeah you can probably get away with three. Oh my god what a freaking good football player i can't wait for tom brady to go in the hall of fame as a buccaneer as a buccaneer (laughs) jake asked his next one three more rings he said uh look it's a free ring the wife and i had this debate the other day i say an elite cornerback is one-third skill one-third knowing that you're the best and one-third drip he said i'm a strong believer in look good play good especially when it comes to dbs wife said i'm an idiot Settle the <laughs> settle the debate. Wife said I'm an idiot. Settle the debate. My marriage depends on it. I, uh, I mean, it's probably more more skill than a third. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the gumption. I feel very strongly that we may have led you down this path erroneously. This so I true. feel some guilt because <laughs> we're pretty pretty strong on the whole like the drip and the knowledge of it is extremely necessary. With that said, I don't think it's in equal proportions. Um, I think that he's probably like 80% skill um, and then like <laughs> 10% drip, knowledge, and confidence, uh, you know, in equal proportions. Um, but I appreciate you fighting the good fight and emphasizing how important uh, the aesthetic is yes. because it is underappreciated. Just perhaps, you know, you've gone too far. I'm going to say it's 85% skill. 10% confidence, 5% the X factor, just total drip. You know what it actually, you know what it might be? 100% skill. I'm so mad. I'm so mad. I was going to back. It might be like 10% luck, 20% skill. <laughs> I hate you. I, I think probably concentrated power of will is probably at 15% as well. Um, and then I would do 5% for both pleasure and for pain. <laughs> I don't remember who sings that song, but whoever you are, please don't Fort do it. Minor, Ben. Fort Minor, okay. Mike Shinoda. Shout out Lincoln Park. Unbelievable. Big up. Uh, Colin asked this next question, which I completely butchered in my head, so my answer does not really reflect the question at all, but I'm hoping that it fulfills the spirit of the reason the question was asked. Colin said, give us your top five offensive and defensive units of the Super Bowl oh, era. Oh, Frank, I did not do this one. I remember looking at it being like, oh, I have to do a ton of research for that. I may get to it later, and then okay. I totally forgot. All right, that. so instead, I will name for you three... Okay, I was going to say three obscure units. You know what? Okay, I'm just going to give props to certain units uh, that are just individual position units that I've liked since the 2000s. All right? 2012. 2012, San Francisco 49ers linebackers. Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, Ahmad Brooks. Incredible. Absolutely elite. Wonderful to watch. 
truly a joy. One of the best linebacker units ever. Yeah, I said it. 2000, 2006, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars running back room. We got Fred Taylor still being a MJD. beast and MJD who just burst yeah. onto the scene. And that was an awesome running back tandem there. I also noted the 2013 Seattle Seahawks secondary, obviously Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Brandon Browner, Camp Chancellor. Uh, it was a unit that defined football during that era. Uh, Bucks defensive line of 2002. He's got two Hall of Famers, Warren Sapp and Simeon Rice. That's right. I said Simeon Rice is a Hall of Famer. Anybody want to fight about it, they can come to my house directly and we can get it in my front yard. And Drop the address. Out. Drop the address. Number five. Well, actually, this isn't number five. This is just like the fifth one that I'm naming. 2015 Denver Broncos defense had two edge rushers. One was named Von Miller. The other was named Demarcus Ware. So I love that edge rusher duo. So those are some of my favorite like positional pairings, positional units that I've really loved over the last. I kind of capped it to 20 years because I, I don't really have an emotional connection to any, anything before the year 2000. I just don't. I'm sorry. I'm not that old of a football fan. I know yeah. a lot of people out there are going to have their emotional connections. And I and more power to you. Love whatever units, offense, defense, that you, you really love, that made you fall in love with football in the 90s, the 80s, the 70s, whatever it is. I just don't have that emotional connection. So those are a handful of positional groups that uh, I've really enjoyed watching. Do you have any or do you I just move on? No, I I appreciate the question uh, and, and and the uh, the the thought behind it. I yeah, I think we're not well suited to answer it. I went to to Google like best Super Bowl offenses ever, and I found a CBS Sports article. And the like, honorable mention is the 1991 Washington Football Team, and number ten is the 1976 Raiders. And it's like, I don't know what these are. <laughs> I just don't have that 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 sense of the uh, of of the old teams. I just really don't. All right. Shane asks this next one. So this is a follow-up to the quick to the kicker question that we had last week. And then he has in parentheses, which Solak interpreted wrong, but I liked it better that way anyways. This was uh, the, this is the 67-yard one. Maybe be specific, right, at 67 yards and within, maybe. Because 67 yards makes it sound like it's just 67 yards. Sir? I think it was more interesting the way that we talked about it last week. I really do. So he says, now that the, now there is a punter in the draft who will down the ball within the 10-yard line every punt from anywhere on the field. How high is this punter drafted? I mean, really high. <laughs> higher than that. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for your expertise. <laughs> uh, higher than the kicker. Like, I think he's, he's probably a round one player. Uh, Brandon Anger in 2012 was drafted in the third round. Is that the highest drafted punter ever? Uh, Ray Guy was drafted in the first round in 1973. Okay, well, so does 1973 count? Are we interested in that? Uh, Russell Ehrlichsbin, I think is how you say his last name. Ehrlichsbin? He was drafted in the first round, pick number 11. In 1979. Man, wait, hold it. The league was drafted punters early in the 70s. What are y'all doing? What is this? Listen, there was a lot of punting in the 70s, brother. Holy cow. All right, so like, 
I think he's I think he's getting drafted first round. The only part that gives me pause is this. If we if it's known that he can do this no matter what, then you're not lining up your punt returner 55 60 yards off the line the way you usually do. You're just lining him up inside the 10. And so let's say you're punting from your own 10. So it's going to be an 85 yard punt. Punt returner's going to be back there and your guys can't run that. And so he's not going to need to free catch it. Wait, did he say down it inside the 10? Let me let me see the exact words. Down the ball inside the 10. See, now this is very interesting. Right, 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 right. Because does that mean that, like, every single time it's just going to, like, perfectly go out of bounds? That's probably what it means. So, okay, then, yeah, he's a first-round player. I think he's a first-round player, even if you don't want to stretch the logic that far, because the draft, we often think of it as this massive, like, sure thing when we watch these prospects. And the fact of the matter is that if you handed me a, this is exactly what is going to happen with this player, and it is something that is obviously as valuable as this, there's no doubt about it you would draft this guy first round. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, right. PhD football in 2013 had a, a graph on likelihood of scoring based off of yards to go to the goal on the initial first down. And when you're within uh, the 10-yard line, it's less than 20%. So you're pretty much guaranteeing that four out of five drives don't score when every single opponent's drive is starting inside the 10. You're, you can't, what you have to remember is on kickoffs, you're not getting that. It's going to the 25s. That changes things a little bit. So whenever you score, it helps the other team score. But in general, I think that's worth it. So I would say it's a first round pick. Better question is, would the punter win MVP? <laughs> yes. Yes. Because we would, yes! we would conspire to make it so. Uh, David asked his next question. Uh, he said, if you pick this question, you will get to determine my Madden fantasy draft. You you two will determine the position of my first eight selections in a snake draft format. So the way that I interpreted this is David is going to do a Madden fantasy draft. Ben and I are going to choose, for example, like I'm going to pick round one and then Ben's going to pick round two and three. And we're going to say you have to draft from this position. Now, I would like to help David as best we can. Me Do, too. Okay, I didn't know if you wanted to just sabotage him. I didn't know. Could we could have done that? Could have done that. So if I'm picking first, I'm trying to think of how Madden does. Listen, you're, yeah, you're fantasy pros now. This is your wheelhouse. Not really, but close enough. No, I'm. I'm saying it's not a. Uh, it's not a. It, it's not like a fantasy draft. It, it's it's a Madden draft. So I'm thinking, mm. I'm trying to think of what the simulator would take first. And I cor- corners go early. So I'm going to say, David, that you have to pick a corner in the first round. And now, Ben, you are choosing rounds two and three. Okay, so it's a 32-team draft. And it's yes. all the positions. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was thinking about it like true fantasy. Okay, then I'm taking... You said a corner or a quarter? Corner. Okay. Then I'm saying quarterback in round two. Okay. And yeah, by the way, David, I haven't had a Madden fantasy draft in years. So we're just vibing, brother. Uh, what matters in fantasy? Uh, edge in round three. Okay, that's good. All right, it's good. All right, all right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go corner again in round four, and then I'm gonna go. 
I think the offense. We got to start helping him on offense. Yeah. I know. Uh, offensive tackles don't matter because it's Madden and you just care about your stats anyway. So we'll say why I'll go wide receiver. So, so you're up now with six and seven is corner is corner super important. You double dip. So is it like you got to get man cover guys? Uh, it is advantageous if you can play man coverage. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so I have two back to back picks. Yeah. Uh, so let's go, uh, wide receiver again. Okay. Good, good, good. Helping them out. And then I don't think running back. Is that like you just get a guy with really good speed and then you user him? So, um, yeah, I know the term user. I know what's up. Uh, <laughs> deep safety, right? A guy you can ball hawk with. Yeah, that's that's a great yeah. pick. That's a good All pick. Right, safety. Okay, you're going safety. I will go offensive tackle. All right, so your eight picks are corner, quarterback, edge, corner again, two wide receivers, safety, and offensive tackle. Oh, Ple- very interested to see this team. Yeah, keep us keep us posted on what your team is going to be, David. Really, really, really. Uh, keep us appraised. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. That's that's a fancy yeah. way to oh, say yeah. keep us updated. Thank you. Oh, it just one up in me. I guess I go on and I. You know, I don't even say the right right words now. Okay. Got a smart guy in the podcast. He's going straight after me. Going right after the neck, folks. Anytime you hear me start a sentence with the word "folks," you you <laughs> know true. you know I'm about to give you some knowledge on some places that you need to go to either save money, improve your life, or a combination of the two. That's the case here with rockauto.com. No matter what kind of car or truck you are driving, if you need to improve it, whether it's broken or whether you just want a straight-up upgrade, head over to rockauto.com. I guarantee that they've got the they've got the products that you are looking for. With all of the different cars that are on the road right now, there's no way that your local auto parts store can have exactly what you're looking for. There's just no way. They're going to sit on the computer and order the parts themselves, so why don't you just do that yourself? It'll save you time. It'll save you money. RockAuto.com's got an amazing selection. You can see everything that they're looking for. Their website's super easy to navigate. It's right on the left-hand side. You can, you can find your exact car and everything that they've got in stock for it. They've got reliably low prices. It's the same for all the do-it-yourselfers out there as it is for all the professionals. It's all the car parts you're ever going to need over at rockauto.com. Hit them up. Let them know that Locked On NFL Draft sent you. That would really help us out. At BuiltBar.com, we've told you so many times about these protein bars. They are the best-tasting protein bars out there. And they just got a new flavor, which I've, I've got to try. Grasshopper cookie. I, I don't even know what goes into this, but I know what's Probably in grasshoppers. I know, yeah, live grasshoppers. I know what's in the bar, though, nutrition-wise, and that's low calories, low sugar. They're also high in protein, high in fiber as well. So whether it's the grasshopper cookie flavor or any of their other incredible flavors that they have on the website regularly, these are the best tasty protein bars. I guarantee you're going to love them if you go try them. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you are going to get 15% off of your first order. Use that promo code LOCKED15 over at BuiltBar.com. Dot com. All right. Next question. It's a two-part question. Uh, the first one, I, this is just, this is right for me. Uh, it says, when are you and Alyssa Lang, I guess it could be Ben and Alyssa Lang. I mean, if Ben and Alyssa want to get a puppy together, I guess that that's, we you know, should. You know, it's kind of weird. I mean, you guys don't live in the same state even, but, uh, you know, if you wanted to. I'm all for rescuing pups. Uh, adopt. When are you and Alyssa going to adopt another puppy? And is there a good reason why you wouldn't name her Sylvie? I think is the name that he's saying here. S Y L V I E. Oh, dude, I'm not that far on it. 
Yeah, you'll catch up, by which I mean to say I've watched 0% of it. I just know who Sylvia is as a character. Okay, okay. I, I, I don't yeah. know yet. We watched the first episode, and we absolutely loved it, but we got behind because we weren't at home for a little bit, and now we're just so behind that we're going to wait for the finale to come out next week, and we're just going to binge the crap. Binge. It's a good call. We're uh, we're going to get it. I mean, to actually answer the question, we're going to get a second puppy at some point. Um, we really want to rescue a pup, and so we're going to get one at some point. We'll see what the name's going to be. We do love the name Bucky, though, so I don't know. It, we would have to be swayed off of naming Bucky. That'd be cute. We really like that fur dog. Mountaintop Scouting said, My girlfriend and I are on the way to Disney. We have very different opinions. She is obsessed with Disney and thinks it's the best. I think it's overrated and far from the happiest place on Earth. Who's right? I have never been to Disney. My, my wife, uh, her family goes to Disney every year, and her pops loves Disney, and they're very excited to bring me and show me and get me excited. And as, like, a nerd, like, the Star Wars world and, like, the Harry Potter world, I don't remember the names of them, they sound sick. Uh, and so I am cautiously optimistic. But with that said, like, growing up, right, like, all, like, you know, I have friends, like, oh, we went down to Disney. And I was always just like, okay, like, I don't know. Like, I never grew up intrigued by or entranced by the magic. I was never ensorcelled. And so, uh, to me, I more so side with Mountaintop in terms of it being a little bit overrated probably um but i will say that I, at this stage i do have to reserve judgment i think i mean i think the parks are somewhat overrated but that's because i'm someone who's liked roller coasters more than you know just i think different forms of entertainment and so like i've always i i used to go to universal studios which is um kind of right in orlando where Di where near where disney is also islands of adventure because they have a lot more roller coasters to them but look man if you love disney if it makes you happy, go to Disney. I don't Absolutely, care. Man. Do whatever yeah. you want. Do whatever what makes you happy. If it makes you the happiest person on earth when you're in what you think is the happiest place on earth, good for you. Good for you. Just enjoy it. Mountaintop scouting. You're on vacation with your girlfriend. Just sit back and enjoy it, my friend. Uh, Ian, who is a member of a bachelor party that I am partaking in this upcoming weekend, is asking... Uh -huh. Over under 500 beers this weekend. It's not my bachelor party. It is. Hey, uh, this guy's got MVP in his name. Yo, what's up, Owen? Yeah, or Ian. Ian. <laughs> Let's go. His last name is Owen. Ian is a uh, big time, big time uh, Philly sports fan. So he said over under 50 beers. I'm going to go hard over right there, Ian. So, okay, this next one. It's a repeat from last week, and I had to think about it a little bit. You can have the ability of any three MCU characters, mm -hmm. but only one at a time, and you have no control which one's abilities you have at any given moment. Which three are you choosing? Right. So I had to think about it as well. And what what it, it would be so much fun to just be super indulgent and just like pick your favorite three. And you can kind of do that a little bit. But the thing is, like, because you don't know what power you're going to use when you're like, all right, powers go. You you're pretty useless in like a combat situation if you don't have a way to get out of like immediate danger right like you have to have you have to be able to put yourself in combat and then no matter which power activates it can save you you know what i mean like like sure right i'll give my answers i think it's easiest to explain that way i took spider-man scarlet witch and captain marvel because if i if i choose spider-man and then like you know captain america and i'm like flip flipping and then all of a sudden i can't flip flip i'm not dead because it's cat, but like I'm screwed. You know what I mean? So I need people who can like fly in order to maximize being able to flip flip. And then like, all right, if I'm, you know, Scarlet Witch and I'm like not paying attention, I get crushed by something. I don't have time to like catch it with magic. 
then I'm screwed. She's just like a regular person. So I get Spider-Man, you know, uh, strength and like body elasticity or whatever. I don't know what it is. Just like, you know, endurance. And then like, I'm not going to get crushed by that thing. So I felt like I got the requisite blend of skills to be able to like fly around and be really fast while also not screwing myself in case my power switch. And then I also like, you know, I can fight from range because I've got Captain Marvel and I can fight from up close because I've got Spider-Man, like Spidey Sense and whatever. And then I have Scarlet Witch stuff so I can, you know, be magical. So I felt like I got the right balance to survive and be useful. I have Captain Marvel, Captain America, and then Spider-Man. So we got two out of the same three. I have mm-hmm. Spider-Man mainly for just like, so I, when I when I read this question, I thought that you almost have like no control over when you get them either. So I was like, I was trying to think of which one wouldn't, you know, would be most convenient as well. And I felt like if, if I just got Spider-Man's powers at a random moment in time, I could just get Spidey senses, you know, and just like, just like right, have yeah. like the feelings of whatever. And, you know, if I get Captain Marvel or Captain America's powers at a random time, I'm just like a super soldier or like a super being. So it's, I pick those three because if it's at an inconvenient time, it won't be inconvenient. But also if I need them, I think that they could have the most advantage here for me. Yeah. It's a fun question though. It is. It was. Rodney asked this next one. We've only got a couple more. Uh, how do you guys grind film specifically when you're trying to identify different schemes, any specific methodology or things that you look out for? Watch, uh, especially if you're going to ID scheme, uh, you got to watch, you got to watch multiple games. You got to watch through, through, um, you know, you can, at this point in, in football coverage, you can Google anybody and pretty much get an understanding of what they want right. to do offensively and defensively. Um, but if you're like looking to be able to identify like what exactly that means and also be able to identify the differences, then you have to be able to go through it with volume and then you should take notes. You should be recording what it is that you see and what it is that's interesting. Um, you know, like so if it's, you know, I'm trying to understand how like the Josh McDaniels passing game is gonna work with Mac Jones. So I go and I watch what he did with Tebow and what he did with Brady and what he did for that year with Bradford and the Rams. Um, you know, I maybe I can skip by running plays because I just want to understand what they're gonna do with passers. But I'm going to want to be able to say, okay, you know, like this was first and 10. This was this time. This was this time stamp, whatever. And they're running, you know, just traditional spacing stuff. And then just like, see, all right, they clearly want to throw the ball short. And they want to be able to do half field reads. And they want to be pre-snap looks because maybe he doesn't really trust the quarterback to post-snap process. And then all of a sudden he's there in New England and they're running Earhart Perkins stuff with all option routes. And it's all, uh, you know, uh, working off of post-snap movement. It's like, right, he trusts the quarterback. You know what I mean? And so you, you. The, uh, I give this answer so many times that like, you just have to watch and understand that like you're, the first time you go through, you're only going to understand 10% of it, but that 10% is going to grow into 15 and 20 and 25 and 30. The more you watch, the more you read. Yeah. It's a lot of, you know, you've got to make sure that, you know, Ben was talking about, Hey, you know, watch, watch, watch. It, it, it's not even necessarily watching the same teams or the same coaches that you're, you're specifically looking at here. It's kind of got to be a constant thing. Like we watch film year round and I think that it's different around the calendar. At least it certainly is for me when I get into post draft season, when it's summertime, I'm, I'm watching a lot of different YouTube coaching clinics or just like coach tube stuff, or I'm listening to different podcasts and I'm learning about a lot of things that I didn't even know I was looking for. You know, I'm learning about a wide variety of topics that I'm trying to make sure that I'm writing down and that I'm remembering. So when I get into the season, when I start scouting these players or when I start watching the NFL and I start writing my content for TDN, I can go, oh shoot, like I think that's what they were talking about. And you kind of expand your knowledge that way as well. And then, like Ben said, you're getting repetition, seeing it on film, and then you can identify it a little bit easier. And, you know, whenever there's 
whenever there's a play that you go, okay, I don't really understand how that coverage worked out with that. You've got to have a good, uh, I think, a good. I don't want to say lifeline. Life lifeline's the wrong word, but uh, you got to have a good circle around you of people who you're bouncing ideas off of, who also love football, who you could send them a clip and just be like, "Hey, I don't really identify this coverage. Does anybody out here like know what this is?" And some people might know, or some people might know how to tell you, like, "Okay, it looks like this, but it's something different. It might help you Google something more." Because as Ben also said, there's a lot of stuff out there. There's a ton of written audio, video content when it comes to breaking down all kinds of schemes and why things go the way they do. You just got to know how to explain it a little bit, how to ask the question the right way to learn what you want to learn. And so it's honestly different for every single situation. But I would tell you that when it comes to grinding film, if you will, or being better at identifying different schemes or what works or different tendencies, it's simply about watching film all the time and enjoying what you do and looking up whether you're a defensive guy or an offensive guy, whatever it is, just always staying involved in it. And I'm telling you, you learn stuff that you didn't even know you were looking for if you're just kind of like constantly in it right. and it's something that you really enjoy. Yeah. The the just expose yourself to everything so that way you can know what you need to know later is such a big part of it. Final question. You knew we couldn't get out of this Fan Friday without us in this one. Jawal asked it. Where does In-N-Out now rank among Ben's favorite burger chains now that he has had it? Uh, top three for sure. Oh, man. I just had it for the second. I just had it for the second time. And you got animal I, style? No, it, it, it was catered for us by the uh, by the, the the camp here, and so it was just like standard stuff. I still have to get animal style, uh, but it was it was it wasn't. As good, which like you know, like caterers have been like probably sitting around for a little bit, so that's part of how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely like it tastes real. The ingredients are solid, and you know, unlike so, it, it very much reminds me of Five Guys in terms of like the preparation, and it's just cheaper. And so for me, it's like I think Five Guys is better, uh, and, and like I know how to order Five Guys, so maybe like that it has that advantage right now. So I probably put Five Guys one, but In and Out is like right there, number two, with like places like. You know, like Shake Shack and like uh, uh, Steak and Shake, which like I love steak burgers. Those are really good. Um, I still need to try Whataburger. So that is pending my first taste of it. I have my five as Checkers slash Rallies is number five, simply for the fries. Need to have it. Uh, Whataburger is four for me. Culver's is three. Five Guys is two. Shake Shack is one. I don't I don't love In-N-Out. I think it's overrated. I, uh, I, I was I was pleased by it i'm very excited to try animal style it is good like it is good i don't want people to like i don't i don't think it's trash i just i'm i have not been impressed with in and out probably the last three times i've had it i've just been like all right this is you know this is fine this is a burger and fries animal style is good though you at least have to try it to experience it yes all right. i want to sign it very much that's it that's all of them that's fan friday early fan friday hope you guys enjoyed it hope you guys have a great weekend Pray for Ben as he tries to not get absolutely mercy ruled out on the soccer field this weekend. Yes, sir. Next week. Do it next week. We have. Yeah. For you guys. Yeah. The beginning of. Yeah. Summer scouting. We're getting into it. We're doing it. We're starting summer scouting next week. I'm so excited for this. We are starting off with the quarterback position, going quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, getting into the defense after that for the next, oh man, what is this now? Nine weeks 
Ben and I are going to be scouting the upcoming eligible class for every single position in college football as it pertains to the NFL draft. So next week, it's all about the quarterbacks. Um, We're going to be going over a ton of the film that we are watching of these guys this summer. We're going to bring to you our notes at the end of every week. We're going to bring you our preseason summer scouting ranking of these players at each position. Uh, We're going to be doing this for, like I said, the next nine to 10 weeks. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it is one of my favorite times of the year. We get to reference this throughout the early months of college football, late months, when when we get into full-time draft season, we'll reflect on where we had these guys in summer scouting and where they got better throughout the year. Oh, Ben, this is this is yep. this is my favorite time on the podcast. Yeah. Well, I, listen, we'll reference it years down the road. We're gonna be yeah, talking about defensive true. tackles. I'm gonna reference Marvin Wilson because I just always remember summer scouting Marvin Wilson and falling in love. And so like it's uh it is truly like for us the ringing of the bell and the the hawk the heralding of the 2022 draft season, which is so much stinking fun. The podcast is back, folks. That's starting next week on Monday. We'll see you then. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.